We're going to wrap up a series that we've been in uh, called Increase. And um, how many of you have ever lost something that you never thought you were going to get back? Well, we got a lot of responsible people in here this morning. How many of you have ever lost something you thought you would never get back? Or you lost something that you never got back? Anybody lose any money before, like a lot of money, like you lost it out of your pocket, you lost some money, you lost a $20 bill, and you never got it back. A couple of weeks ago, I was here at the church, and I got a call from Senator Angelique Ashby, and I'm like, man, I must be in trouble. And so I picked it up, and I said... Hey, Senator, how are you doing? I was, uh, we're, we're friends. And so I said, hey, Senator, how are you doing? And she says, are you looking for something? And I had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> Little did I know, Amy actually had lost her wallet with all her credit cards, her license and everything in it. She doesn't know where she lost it. She was doing errands around town and she lost it. And I had no idea uh, what she was talking about. She says, yeah, your wife lost her wallet, and my friend has it. And I'm like, what? And so, like, so I, like, I hang up, and, and she's all, I'll text you. I'll connect you with my friend, and you can come get it. So I call Amy real quick. I said, hey, babe, you looking for something? She says, I can't find it anywhere. I've been looking all day. I, I go, where did you go? I'm playing with her now. Where did you go? She's, oh, I went to Target. I went to Starbucks. That's the last place I had it. I said, well, guess, guess what? I go, the senator called me, and her friend has it. And so <laughs> miraculously, somebody found Amy's wallet full of the credit cards, the, her license, and it actually had our old address on it here in Natomas. And they brought it back to the old house that we used to live in, who happened to be Angelique's best friend. Angelique called me and said, we found it. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9 is a story about land that has been lost. That the people of God think they will never get back. We're going to be reading from the book of Isaiah. He was a prophet who lived during the time when Assyria threatened to invade and conquer Judah. And he prophesied and he warned Judah's leaders against trusting in alliances with other countries rather than trusting the power of God. Anybody ever try to get out of a difficulty by yourself or dependent on something else other than God? This is the situation they find themselves in. And this time, at this time, Judah is riddled with moral and spiritual decay. People are neglecting God as they bow down to ritualism, idolatry, and selfishness. And yet God raises up the prophet Isaiah, whose name means Yahweh is salvation. The Lord is salvation. How many are you thankful the Lord still saves today? 
Come on, he still delivers today. He still heals us today. How many of you glad that God never gives up on us? That he'll always send someone to you with a word from the Lord, whether you want to hear it from or not, to draw you to the Lord. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, 1 through 7. It begins by saying, nevertheless, everybody say, nevertheless. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The prophet is talking about the Assyrian army coming into the land and oppressing God's people. Then he says in verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Goes on to say, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. Remember, there is nothing to be joyful about in this time, but God brings a prophet whose name is Yahweh is salvation. He brings a prophet with the word of the Lord to speak joy to their distress, to speak joy to their oppression. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil for you have broken the yoke. How many thankful he still breaks yokes today? You have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. We'll come back to that in just a minute. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. Verse 6, this might sound familiar to you. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase, everybody say increase, of his government and peace. There will be no end. The word govern there means to control, to influence, or regulate. And I felt prompted this morning to ask you the question, who or what will be the controlling influence in your life in this current season of increase we are currently experiencing as a church and as a people? How many know we have a choice? God's people always have a choice. How many are thankful we're not robots? We have, we have the freedom to choose. God has, God has given us that as a gift. Come on, we can choose to live for him or we can choose to do our own thing. He doesn't make us. He doesn't force us. God's people always have a choice. We can choose a life of obedience and blessing, or we can choose a life of disobedience and live with the consequences and bad choices our actions bring. Today, just like the people who the prophet Isaiah is prophesying uh, to back then, which was the little nation of Judah, 
Listen, we have a choice. Will we be governed, will we be controlled by, or will we be influenced by what we see happening in this world, or will we be governed by something more powerful that is not of this world? Will we be governed by the voices of culture and confusion, or will we be governed by the prophetic voice of the Holy Spirit who reveals the kingdom of God with clarity? Will we be governed by fear, or will we be governed by faith? Will we be governed by the Spirit, or will we be, will we be governed by the flesh? Today, I want to talk to you about how to be governed by increase. How do you want increase to govern your life? Come on, how do you want the increase, come on, of his presence, come on, to lead you and to guide you? How many you want an increase of his joy, an increase of his love, an increase of his peace? Come on, an, an increase of all that is wonderful happening in your life. But the first thing that we have to do, if that's going to happen, is we have to move from pessimistic views to prophetic vision. Everybody say, nevertheless. nevertheless. He says, nevertheless, the gloom will not. Everybody say, will not. will not. Remember, at this time he's prophesying, the gloom it actually is. It's actually a dark place. It's doom and gloom. But he says, nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. The word distressed there means suffering from anxiety, sorrow, or pain. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, suffering from anxiety, sorrow, or pain. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. That word nevertheless means in spite of that. This morning you might be asking yourself, in spite of what? Well, if you just turn back to chapter 8, just turn one page over to Isaiah chapter 8. By the way, your notes are in the YouVersion app. You can go to events. You can find RLCSAC and all the notes and scriptures are in there. In order to answer this question, look at Isaiah 8, 21 to 22. It says, they will pass through... Hard pressed and hungry, and it shall happen. When they are hungry, they shall be enraged and curse their king and their God and look upward. How many know that's a bad place to be right there? Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. In spite of all of the distress, in spite of everything that is happening in chapter 8 and chapter 9, in spite of the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali being taken captive by Assyria, the trouble and the gloom, the prophet says, will not be upon her. How many know your current status doesn't have to be your permanent status? Your current situation doesn't define your destiny. Listen, your current failure doesn't regulate your future. What's going on now in your life doesn't have to be the end of the story. Listen, if you shift from a pessimistic view to a prophetic vision, how many know God can speak a word? He can speak life. He can speak destiny into you. 
If you will dare to hear what God is saying in this season of increase, listen, he will help you fix your eyes on him and he will cause your eyes to see what nobody else sees. Assyria, and I'm going to, I got my little laser pointer here this morning because I wanted to slow myself down and, and teach a little bit because you might be thinking like, what are you talking about? We're actually talking about real places. We're talking about actually Israel uh, had been taken over uh, by a cruel military force, Assyria. And if you see this, here they are. They, they work their way east. Come on, how many like this little pointer? Ooh, come on. So here's the Assyrian Empire, and they, they were taking over all this land captive, and they started working their way on the west coast. All of this right here is Israel. And they had came down here, they had conquered, this red piece right here is the northern kingdom. If you know anything about uh, Bible history, you know that the kingdom, uh, the kingdom split. There was a northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Isaiah is prophesying to the Assyrian Empire and he is prophesying to Judah. The northern kingdom had already fallen and, and succumbed to the Assyrian Empire. Judah was also in moral and spiritual decline at this time. And the prophet is saying this. How many know there's a lot to be nervous about when all of this is coming to swallow you up? Anybody ever felt like you were going to get swallowed up? Come on, by something. There's a lot of people, listen, there's a lot of doom. How many know some doom and gloom Christians? Listen, all, listen, all we have is a pessimistic view. How many know these people, come on, these people right here had a lot to be pessimistic about? Assyria was coming to take them over. But the prophet says, in spite of what you see, Judah, your pessimistic view, God's word has the final say. You just need a prophetic vision. You just need to see what I see. Why do we have this doom and gloom Christianity that is just ready to wash its hands of the United States and America? Proverbs 29, 18 gives us a clue, and I'm going to read several translations. But Proverbs 29, 18 in the expanded Bible translation says, Where there is no word from God, people are uncontrolled. Come on, how many know, listen, you can, have the, you can have the best strategy, but listen, if you don't have the word of the Lord, all you got is some problems. Listen, we could have a good idea to go to three services, but how many know it's better when you know it's God's idea to go to three services? And this is what we have seen. We have just seen God, listen, we've seen God confirm every step of the way to get us to this point today. No matter how strategic you are, listen, if you don't have a prophetic word, listen, you are going to have problems. I was just recently talking to a pastor whose church has never bounced back from the pandemic. In fact, mass exodus in his church. And I felt prompted as I was talking with him. I asked him, what's God saying to you? Talked for 20 minutes at the end of his Reply to me, he said, I didn't answer your question, did I? 
church, we have to have the word of the Lord. We have to be a people that has the word ready on our lips in this day that we're living in. Another translation, the message, I love it. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, how many see God moving among us? It says, if we can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Everybody say, most blessed. You see, you can have a prophetic word. You can have a promise from God that he speaks to you from the Bible. But you have to steward the word. This is why we're experiencing such blessing here at Real Life. Listen, everything that he releases. And or how many know, he says, if you're going to be faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. Come on, how many know we got to thank him for the little before he entrusts us with much? This is the principle You can have a prophetic word, a promise from God, but you have to steward the word and the promise so you can experience the purpose of the promise. Amen? The purpose of the prophetic word. You know how many times God has been speaking over this church? You're you're headed for expansion, spread spread out the 10 stakes. He's been telling us that since 2018. Since I got here, people would come in, men of God like Bishop Tony Miller, you're going to double. And I'm like, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we steward that word. We take that word and we pray over that word. And they say, God, we want your timing. Now, now, Pastor Dean has missed it before. You guys know that, right? Let me try this side. Anybody ever missed it before? In 2019, we tried three services. We were kind of at the same spot, but we weren't seeing any of the confirming signs. But I have that 10th gift of the Holy Spirit getting ahead of God. So we went forward, man, that first Saturday night service, we, had a, we went for Saturday night, that first Saturday night service, we had 150 people. I'm like, I told you so. God is in this. Little did I know the Golden State Warriors were going to make the playoffs the next two Saturday nights. Come on, and we had a divine decrease. We went from 150 to 75, from 75 to 50. From a third service to a six-week experiment in Jesus' name. The Amplified Version says, where there is no vision or no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. Wherever God has called you and whatever God has called you to do, His desire is that you would see the redemptive revelation in people and places society has discarded. Come on, how you know we've got to see the gold in people, not the dirt in people? Anybody have some friends that moved out of the state of California the last couple years because California was so evil, and now two years later they're already back? Why? Because those of us that stayed here, we had a redemptive revelation that God is not done with Sacramento. God is not done with California. We have a redemptive revelation. We have a word from God. Listen, that he wants to send revival to our state. Another translation says, if a nation is not guided By God, the people will lose self-control. You see, where there is no prophetic voice or vision, we are giving people permission to blame everyone else for their lack of self-control. In a season of increase, here's the key. You and I must see through prophetic eyes, 
not pessimistic eyes. This is the key. How many know in a season of increase, as I mentioned the last couple weeks, there are going to be problems, right? You saw Pastor Sean's picture of Eeyore last week, right? We can't have the Eeyore anointing. Come on. Oh, it'll never work. We can't be those people. We've got to be people who, when we see problems, listen, we come up with the solution. When we see problems, we say, I'll figure it out. When we see a problem that's, listen, maybe bigger than us, you can say, God will figure it out. Amen? But look at what Isaiah points out in uh, chapter 8, verse 22. He says, then they will look, talking about a perspective, they will look to the earth and they will see trouble They will see darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Everybody say, nevertheless. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, the prophet says, in spite of what you see, I'm going to override it by what I say. Verse 2, he says this in verse 2, the people who walked in darkness, notice it's past tense. It's still happening, and the prophet now is prophesying in past tense. He's saying, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. He's talking about all those people in Syria that had been taken uh, captive by the enemy. He's saying those who dwelt in that land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Isaiah was prophesying about a time in the future when Jesus would begin his ministry from this place that was taken captive by the enemy, Zebulun and Naphtali. Look at this second map that I have here. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali says would see a great light recognized in the life and person of Jesus Christ. Do you remember that last map that I showed you? This area was all red. It was all taken captive by the enemy, by the Assyrian Empire. And now if you look at this side, you notice these names? Galilee, the Sea of uh, Capernaum, the Sea of Galilee. You see this area right here? This area that was captivated in darkness, Isaiah is prophesying, listen, this is going to be the launching pad for Jesus' ministry. This is the place where he would establish his ministry and pick his core group and handpick the men that would follow him and help him advance the kingdom. We see the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9 in Matthew chapter 4. Some 600 years later, it says this, And leaving Nazareth, talking about Jesus, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. How many are thankful God doesn't give up on people or places or locations? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Isaiah prophet, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Come on. And upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. In other words, now they have a front row seat. Come on, to the greatest ministry, come on, that ever visited our planet through Jesus Christ. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Aren't you glad that when all you see is captivity, the Holy Spirit can speak life and liberty over people's lives and over land? Amen? Amen. Redemptive revelation. Everybody say redemptive revelation. Secondly, we have to move from a mindset of abandonment to a mindset of abundance. Many times we feel as though God has abandoned us, but in all reality, we've abandoned him. The first 35 chapters of Isaiah consist of the prophet warning God's people of the consequences and judgment that is coming if they don't turn to God. And yet, even in the midst of their stubbornness, ever, anybody ever been stubborn before? In the midst of their stubbornness, in, in, the, in the midst of them not listening, in the midst of their pridefulness, God, we see God in Isaiah chapter 9 still pursuing them with his promises of increase, even though they were in decreased mode. Listen, through the prophet Isaiah, through the eyes of the prophet, listen, we know that God saw increase coming to the nation of Israel, not decrease coming to the nation of Israel. Even in their pride... It's important for us to know that God is still pursuing them and using his prophet to prophesy increase over their life. Now look at verses 3 and 4. Is this okay this morning? Again, none of this has happened. This is just the, this is the prophet prophesying hope. He says, you have multiplied. How many know in a season of subtraction, come on. You can get the word of the Lord that multiplication is coming. It says, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Everybody say Midian. If if you're reading too fast, you'll read right over that point. Because Isaiah, in this chapter, he makes a reference to Gideon's victory over the Midianites. You guys know, anybody know the story of Gideon? It's in Judges chapter 7. You can go and read it later. It's a great, great story, but we don't have time to turn there and read it. But this is basically what's going down in Judges chapter 7. The Israelites and the Midianites are about to go to war But before they go to war, God reduces the number of troops that Gideon will use from 32,000 to 300. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. Why does he do this? He does it so they will know it was God's presence and power who gave them the victory and not their own power and strength. I heard a pastor one time said that this was the Gideon's revival. Listen, when they went from 32,000 to 300, that's a Gideon's revival. But what was God doing in their midst? What can we learn from this reference by the prophet? Write these down if you can. Sometimes God has to reduce you in the natural to produce something in you that is supernatural. Sometimes God will reduce you to reassure you it's all him and none of you. Sometimes God will remove people from your life, 32,000 to 300. How many know that's a lot of people? Sometimes God will remove people from your life so he can prove to you who he is in your life. I remember when Amy and I got called to go to Houston. 
We went to Houston, Texas to be a part of a church planting team. And three months after we got there, they called off the church plant. How you know, you better know you've heard from God. When the reason why you went there, they called it off. And God used that. We didn't, we, we didn't have a job at the time. We, were, we, were, we, were, we had raised the money to go. We were uh, looking to friends to help us in this new ministry endeavor that we were stepping out on. And God used that time in our life to show us, listen, come on, that we didn't need a paycheck. Come on, we needed Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Listen, we didn't have insurance. How many know? I mean, there, there's probably a lot of things her dad thought about me in those moments. But listen, God provided a medical doctor with a second pregnancy with Mariah. I mean, a real medical physician. We didn't have to go to the back alley or anything. We walked right through the front door, and he saw us for free. But listen, we were far away enough from home. How many know faith works best in foreign places? Listen, we were far away enough from home. We couldn't run back to comfort and security and mass mom and dad to bail us out. We had to trust God for what he was doing in our life and who he wanted to prove himself to us, who he was in our life. You see, sometimes you have to go through divine decrease to experience divine increase. Even if it looks like abandonment, even if it looks like everyone has left you, even if it looks like you got less of the pie, how you know that's a bitter pill to swallow right there? I was in a service about 15 years ago. It was a six o'clock Sunday night service. You guys remember those? Come on, how many OGs remember the 6 p.m. Sunday night? And it wasn't an option either. It was like everybody went to the Sunday night service. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, I was in this service, and I was on the front row, and we were just worshiping God, and God drops a word in my heart. It was actually out of uh, uh, Genesis chapter 13 for the gentleman behind me who was a businessman. I had no idea what was going on on in his life, but this word just kept burning in my heart. You ever been worshiping God and say, God, why are you bothering me right now? Like this was one of those moments like, Lord, this is the 6 p.m. Sunday night service. I don't even know this man very well, and now I've got a word for him. All right. And he says, yeah, and I want you to give it to him. And so basically, you guys remember the story maybe Abraham and Lot had to separate because the land couldn't support all the flocks and herds, and their herdsmen were fighting with each other. And Abraham goes to his nephew Lot, and he says, let's stop fighting. You go your way. I'm going to go my way. And Lot gets to choose first, right? Lot looked to the side. He saw the plush grass. He saw the good land. He said, I'm going this way. How many you know faith always allows you to choose first, someone else to choose first? Hello. And Lot go, I mean, and Abraham turns the other way. It's a dry, dusty desert. And God said, This is the promise over here. When I re- turned around and I released the word, I didn't realize that this businessman was in the midst of a lawsuit with his business partner, who together they had built a prosperous company with, and the partner was trying to steal everything from him. He said, When I gave him the word, he felt the Lord say, Let him have it. I'll build you a bigger and better business. He said, when I heard that, he said, I bound the devil in Jesus' name. 
He said, I didn't want to believe it. He said, I went home and I just thought you had some good pizza that night, Pastor Dean. But he said, I could not sleep. I wrestled all night with the Lord and the Lord just kept telling me to give it away, to give it away, to stop, to, to, get, to drop the case and just give him everything. He said, after that, I gave him everything and we basically started over. Do you know today he's got more business than he knows what to do with? He's got more employees than he ever needed. He's got more trucks and equipment than he had before. And he's retiring earlier than he would have with his other partner. Come on, somebody. It deems me to ask the question, is what you are fighting for and the people you are fighting with bigger than the increase that God wants to release into your hands? Think about it. Is what you are fighting for and the people you are fighting with bigger than the increase that God wants to release into your hands? You see, in Christ, God can take you from feeling abandoned into living an abundant life. And lastly, God wants to move you from the burden you're carrying. Come on to him carrying your burden, from your shoulders to his shoulder. Now, this is a verse that we usually reserve for Christmas, but I think it's appropriate as we step into Passion Week. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Man, we read that, man, and we, we, we put that on everything, social media. We put that out there. It is Christmas time. But you have to remember, when Isaiah is prophesying this prophetic word, this is a bleak time in Israel and Judah's history. The land is literally being governed and ruled by darkness, distress, and the doom and gloom of an oppressive Assyrian king. Evil is dominating. God's people have been taken captive by their own sin, and it's going to get worse. But the prophet Isaiah has a word of hope for God's people, and I believe this morning the Holy Spirit has a word of hope for you today. Listen, how many of you know people and places that are spiritually bankrupt in Scripture are often birthplaces of revival and renewal? This is what he's saying. Zebulun and Naphtali, you're in darkness. You're in gloom. But oh, hold on a minute. There's about to be a great light. There's about to be a great ministry that is going to be birthed in that land. People and places that have been lost or carried away captive are perfect candidates for Christ to birth something new. Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on Pastor Damien when he was incarcerated, but God spoke a promise. God called him to the ministry, and now he's on staff. Come on, declaring the prophetic word over this church and over this region and over a generation. This is what God is about. People in places that feel as though they've been abandoned are in the best position to be awakened. 
Just a couple of months ago, a Bible college that was only drawing a handful of students to its chapel, all of a sudden, God comes on and invades the campus, and over 100,000 people in two weeks encounter the power and the presence of God. Why? Because God doesn't give up on us. When we're in this place, listen, when we're in a pessimistic place, when you feel as though you've been abandoned, when you feel like the load that you're carrying, you can't carry it no more, this is when God, whose name is wonderful, comes to call you back from your wandering. This is when God, whose name is Counselor, he steps in and he brings you comfort and courage. This is when God, whose name is Mighty, steps in at your weakest moment and becomes your strength. And this is when God, whose name is peace, steps in and silences the confusion and he brings the calm, not after the storm, no, in the midst of the storm. And I want to prophesy over you today. God says, if you let me govern your life, the things that are weighing you down, that thing you were never meant to carry alone, that thing that feels like it's going to crush you. God says, let me lift it from you and allow my grace to guide you. Allow my peace to lead you to a place of increase, even in the decrease, even in the decline, even in the decay, even in the humiliating circumstances. Allow me to lift it off your shoulders to my shoulder and allow my government to guide you and lead you to a life of ever-increasing peace. Church, who or what will be the controlling influence in your life in this current season of increase? This morning we had our volunteers gathered and we just began to declare no limits. Can you just say that with me? No limit. No boundaries. Say no boundaries. How many know God wants to take the limits off? Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. In other words, the prophet Isaiah is saying, even in your captivity, I'm going to watch over your peace. How many are thankful the enemy can't take our peace? That word peace denotes more than just a lack of war. It actually means well-being, safety, and plenty, along with good relationships. How many could use some good relationships in this season? Of, ooh, I feel, I feel there's some wind on that. Some of you felt like you've been abandoned in this season, and God is about to bring you a BFF. He's about to bring you a best friend, a very good friend to come alongside of you. Good relationships with one's brother, neighbor, and God. I love this. It is a longed-for end of one's life. We don't think about that much, but it is a longed-for end of one's life. When it's all said and done, listen, what are you longing for? Have we allowed Jesus to take over the government of our lives. This morning, God wants to give you peace that comes with the increase. Listen, some of you can't see past the negativity, and God wants to give you a prophetic word. 
Listen, some of you feel abandoned, and God wants to release to you an abundance of his joy, an abundance of his love, an abundance of his peace. He wants you to have all of heaven. This is what he has for you. And he's ready to lift that thing that you've been carrying all by yourself. It says shoulder. It doesn't even say shoulders. It says the government will rest upon his shoulder, not his shoulders, his shoulder. In other words, God just said, I'll take that from you. Boom. And he's just carrying it around like this. His shoulder, not even his shoulders. But this morning, if you're here, you're struggling with negativity, you're struggling with feelings of abandonment, you're carrying a burden that feels too heavy to carry, and you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, you know what, I need to just surrender my life. That's where I need to start. Some of us need to start there this morning. If that's you, you say, Pastor Dean, will you include me in that prayer? I need to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I I can't see anything in my life positive. I can't, uh, I I feel abandoned. I feel like everybody that, that said they love me has left me. And Lord, I'm just carrying this burden alone. Is that anybody in the building that you say, Pastor Dean, I need to give my life to Christ? We had five people in first service. Is there anybody here? Yes. Anybody else? You would say, Yes, over here. Yes. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray this prayer together. It's up on the screen. Let's pray it in unison. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death and to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sins, my self-centeredness, and every part of my life that does not please you. I choose you. I give myself to you. I receive your forgiveness and ask you to take your rightful place in my life as my Savior and Lord. Restore me. Live in me and through me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Hallelujah. Amen. I know there were a couple people that raised their hand, and we have a gift that will help you just take your next step in your relationship with Christ. They're in the back. It says, I have decided. There's a Bible, but there's also a booklet in there that will help you again, guide you in these first uh, few weeks of your new relationship with Jesus Christ. We'd love to meet you in the back. We're going to go to the Lord's table, and then afterwards, I'm going to ask our prayer ministers to come forward because I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this because I believe, listen, somebody's been battling negativity. Somebody's been battling the feelings of abandonment. And listen, somebody is carrying something, listen, that you need to give to him. How do you know he says, cast your cares upon him, and he will lift you up in due time. That's what he wants us to do. But as we go to the Lord's table. You take the cup and take the bread and will you just begin to thank the Lord? Come on, as we step into Passion Week, Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're doing. God, we thank you, God, that you decrease so that we could increase. Will you repeat this prayer after me? Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son by the stripes that fell on his back. Our body is healed. My mind is restored. My spirit is renewed. We believe and receive your provision for healing, restoration, and renewal. In Jesus' name, let's partake together.
Will you repeat after me after we, as we partake of the cup? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious blood. Your shed blood has removed every sin from my life. Through your blood, I am forgiven for all my sins, past, present, and future. Completely righteous. Today, I celebrate and partake of the inheritance of the righteous, which is healing, wholeness, and provision. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving me. Amen. Let's partake. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that message ministered to your heart and lifted your spirit today. Hey, to find out more about joining the RLC online family, you can find us on the Church Center app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.